Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to part two of this week's podcasts with an S at the end. That means there's two shows this week, Andres. <laughs> Double trouble, baby. Double trouble. And there's only two of us, so the theme of Double Trouble will be running. Um, and we have a question about a two-player combination. This one-two punch thing is is, is a theme that we theme. have running through the whole podcast this week. Common theme. Well, uh, if you guys didn't already check it out, we did uh, record an episode with our top six preview where we kind of gave our predictions about the top six. We also went in depth about all of those teams. I don't think I've ever talked about Arsenal or Spurs that much. Um, I, I had to brush my teeth in between recording episodes. Um, but anyways, this episode, we're going to be talking about the Brighton preview, of course, our season opener, um, as well as giving our predictions um, for the season and what we expect out of certain players. We also dive into some Twitter questions. And of course, it's not a podcast, uh, an American Chelsea podcast, without talking about our new number 10, Andres, Christian Pulisic. But I don't want to jump the gun here. Um, You know, let's talk just about Chelsea as a whole for now. Um, in, In our past episodes, you know, we did talk a lot about formations and tactics and the new business ins and outs um so far this window um but let's make some player predictions going into lamp's second season as manager andres um let's do it so so first up most valuable player who do you think is gonna be our most valuable player this year oh my god i actually if if in my if my thought is that he's gonna be a starter the moment that he can get into the side immediately i think it's it's going to be Thiago Silva because our biggest need of improvement is our defense. So mm-hmm. I think he adds, quote unquote, the most value by improving a very, very weak back four. An, an immediate upgrade. Um, right. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. And then I also thought about all the shit you would be giving me because you love the gloat about how I was <laughs> against the Thiago Silva move. Um but I got Timo Werner, and the only reason why I put it there, Andres, is because this guy's gonna put up the numbers to warrant the MVP. Um, yeah. You know, 25 plus goals last year, 10 plus assists. He's a statistical anomaly. So, um, just based on that, I think he's gonna be our most valuable player. Um, but of course, you know, the importance of bringing in a guy like Thiago Silva is just so exciting too. Um, but in terms of you know our, our next prediction here, Andres, we talk about MVPs. Who's going to be the best player for us this year, just by the eye test? Oh man, I mean, I I don't know if people are going to disagree with me here, but I truly think it's going to be Christian Pulisic. The mm. way Pulisic finished last season, and now on top of that, he's not going to be the only focal point for the opponents to focus on in terms of how we're going to move forward. Like they can't just look at him. So Timo Werner is going to be attracting attention. Kai is going to be attracting attention. Ziyech is going to be attracting attention. And on the other end, those three players are also going to be the ones feeding balls to Pulisic. I think that Pulisic is going to have a extremely good season in terms of like, not just the eye test, but yeah, just, direct output goals assists what people look at what statisticians cry over like i i think pulisic is going to be our best player 
I mean, if we're going off the eye test, Andres, I'm not mad at the Pulisic shout because I fucking love Pulisic, right? Um, but I, I'm going to go Kai Havertz. I know a lot of Chelsea fans are all over the transfer just because it's a marquee signing, but I feel like a lot of them still don't really know what type of talent we have on our hands. I keep reiterating myself every single episode. This is a potential top three, top five player in the world um, at some point in his career if he fulfills his potential. So I think just based on the eye test, you know, the big transfer fee, his willingness to come here and work with Frank, I just think it's going to be not necessarily a seamless transition for him, but I think we're going to see some sparks from him this season where we go, oh, shit, I think we finally have our, you know, hazard level player here in our Chelsea side in Kai Havertz. Um, so only time will tell, but I mean, I think we all know that this is going to wind up being a good move, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Agreed. Um, most improved player. Um, Andres, who do you, who do you think is going to be most improved this season? We got a lot of youth. I know. This is tough. Yeah. Um, most improved for me, and this is going to sound weird, but maybe it's recency bias in my head, but I'm going to say Tammy Abraham. Mm. Um, I think that Team Tammy. He, I think he's, he's going to have to learn a lot about being a professional mm-hmm. because he had a really rough second half of the season. Yes, he scored the most goals for our team, but he was also replaced by a guy that we were read, like ready to ship off in January in Giroud mm-hmm. and never worked his way back into the team. Now we signed Timo Werner who should be, we hope, hits the ground running. And I think Tammy's going to have to learn to not depend on the things that made him good in the youth uh, levels and in the championship level to kind of complete his game. And I think that we're going to see much more consistency and maturity out of him. Uh, Hopefully his goal numbers don't go down, but hopefully they're not coming at us in groups of three and two and we see him score more frequently week to week rather than one amazing performance and then three bad ones. Yeah. So I'm going to say Tammy, he's going to be getting better service. We're going to be a much more balanced team in our attack, both left side and right side. And yeah, I I still think Werner will be our starter, but I'm hoping that Tammy will rise to the occasion and, and improve as well. I thought about this. I thought about Mason Mount. Um, I thought about Tammy Abraham, but when I really look at it, I think the one player that I think is going to grow leaps and bounds if he could stay healthy is Reese James. Um, now I know Aspie's going to be our starting right back, um, for the start of the season at least. And most likely, you know, he's going to hold down that role for a while. Um, but I just think, especially when you have a guy like Ziyech on the right who likes to cut inside and create space for um, fullbacks to run down the flank, I think Reese, with his service, his ability to get down the pitch, um, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for him to get into dangerous areas of the pitch to create goal-scoring opportunities, maybe for himself, um, but also for others. So, you know, the arrival of Werner, Pulisic's health, you know, um, Guys like Kai Havertz who could come in and score goals for us. Um, Hakeem Ziyech. I just think his service is going to be crucial to our success this season. So I would like to see him be our most improved player. But of course, it was a tough one because you look at guys like Mason Mount. 
if they can add goals to their game, they're the most improved player. If Tammy Abraham, you know, uh, does exactly what you say, learns how to be a model professional, maybe adapts his game a bit uh, to become more of an impact player, to become more well-rounded, that's a plus for us also. Um, but for me, it has to be Reese James. Um, next up, Andres, this is a surprise of the season. I'm just going to say mine before you talk about yours. <laughs> okay. Because there's only one name that came up in my mind, and it's it's not necessarily the most realistic one, okay? But this is the one that I want to be the most su- the surprise of the season. Fucking Keppa. Be a keeper for once. I, I, I would love – I would love for us to bring in – to bring in Mendy. And Keppa just explode and become and just shut all of us up. It probably won't happen. There's a 99.9% chance it won't happen. Right. But I think, God, the, see that. I think that's what I think that's what we're hoping for, though, right? <laughs> I hope so. Like I think that's what Peter Check and Lampard are trying to do here, because Edward Mundy is going to be uh, a 20 to 30 million signing versus Keppa, who's doubled the price of that. Yeah. And kept the same Kepa that's quote unquote supposed to be fighting De Gea for his starting job in Spain. Uh, now the back line should not be the reason Kepa throws the blame. So it's just, I mean, I hope you're right. I really hope you I, are. I hope I am too. My, and, and part of me thinks that it is possible. Like I was the last one in our, in our podcast to really just jump the Kepa ship. And I hope that it is a confidence thing and maybe not being able to get a high, you know, a big target name plays to our advantage. Or maybe he plays just good enough to be able to be sold somewhere. That's but what I hope. It can't be worse than last year, right? No. I don't think um, it can be, can it? Hopefully not. My surprise for the season. I don't know if it's really a surprise, but. I think Billy Gilmore is going to come in back from injury and prove to be a solid option throughout the whole season, whether he's going to be playing in the double pivot in a 4-2-3-1 or even as either position on the 4-3-3, whether it's the holding or the eight. I think that – I hate to say this, but I think that Billy Gilmore is going to be the reason that we ship off Loftus-Cheek. And it comes from what – People were saying about him previous to his injury from the fact that he's supposed to be a Scotland international. Uh, I really hope it's Gilmore. Uh, I I think he has the highest potential within the midfield uh, of the younger guys that are still technically in the academy, not our academy graduates. And yeah, I I still have high hopes for him uh, going into next year. Interesting how we didn't mention Loftus-Cheek or Callum Hudson-Odoi for most improved player or surprise of the season. I, I, I just want it to be on record that I am completely rooting for those guys. Like, like I really hope they do well. But bringing in Kai Havertz and looking at some of the other players that could fill the 10, you know, Pulisic plays a number 10 for, for the United States national team. Ziyech could play the number 10. It looks like that's his natural position. Um, Mount could play there. You know, you could even play Kovacic or Barkley there. If we're playing a four-two-three-one, it's going to be tough for Loftus Cheek. If we play a four-three-three, where does he get in? Yeah, that's the if thing. If we play a four-three-three, he gets more of a chance. And I mean, Callum is, is gets a little bit more of a break because we're starting the season without Ziyech. I think I Callum. Right. I think Callum gets another year too. No, no, Callum. Callum's Callum's going to be fine. I think. I, I don't. 
I don't think it's going to be more – I don't have him as my most improved because I don't count last season against him because he was injured. Yeah. So I can't – I don't have anything to compare it to. Now, you, I could argue the same thing for Loftus-Cheek. It's not – I have no current thing to compare it to because I know they can be good, but I didn't get to see enough of them to say, okay, these are, these are the things they need to work on. So I, I give them more of a clean slate rather than last season versus this season. Yeah. All right, let's continue with our theme of twos. What two-way player combination are you looking forward to the most? So I think like everyone's easy answer here is going to be something like Werner, Kai, or or you know Werner plus or Kai plus. But yeah. honestly, to me, it's it's the Ziyech Reese James combination. Uh, I think those two guys are arguably our best two crossers on the team. They're going to be playing on the same side and there's not going to be a congestion of space in the final third like there was when William and Reese were playing at the same time because Ziyech will be opening up the flank for Reese to slide up if he cuts to his weak foot. Mm-hmm. So I'm most excited about that player combination because I truly think that 50% of our assists will come from that side. Interesting, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the other side. I think uh, Pulisic and Chilwell. Um, it's, 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 there's going to be growing pains, obviously, because the two aren't very mm-hmm. familiar with each other. But I'm just curious to see how – I'm more curious to see how Chilwell fits in with this Chelsea side because he's not necessarily a super attacking left back. Um, and he's not the most defensive left back. But in a sense, he, he does fulfill a lot of the roles that the modern left back does. And when you combine Pulisic's goal-scoring touch – and his ability to combine, you know, with players out wide, you know, quick little one twos and dinks um, in between the lines. That one looks a little interesting to me. So I- I'm going to keep my eye on that as the season goes on. Um, not just offensively, Andres, but I also like this defensively. Pulisic does have a good work rate. Um, he will track back, and so does Chilwell. I think our left hand side um, w- would probably be our most strong, or our strongest defensive side, if you ask me. Um, depending especially on where on uh, where Tiago Silva plays. But just in general, you know, if you're going to look at Reese James and Ziyech on the right-hand side, it doesn't necessarily make sense to make your focal point of attack the left, does it? You know, like you said, you have two of the best crossers on the right. Um, so most of our attack will be coming there. But I'm curious to see what roles, Poli- or what roles uh, Chilwell more specifically plays um, and how he combines with Pulisic. But I want to keep the theme of Pulisic going. Because he is our new number 10, Andres. So that renders Ooh. my Chelsea kit completely obsolete. I but mean, it's okay. that's fine. I'll that's take fine. his first season and then now I get his second season because I'm definitely getting the Pulisic number 10. I've been saying it for weeks. I'm waiting for the mega store to give me the option to get the number 10 and they still haven't listed at 22. But I mean... I explained it before. It makes perfect sense for him to get the 10. I feel like Chelsea rewards their returning players a little bit more than new signings with these kind of quote-unquote marquee numbers. We had Pedro go from the the 17 shirt to the 11 shirt. We had at one point Oscar go from the 11 to the 8. We had Hazard go from the 17 to the 10. So it just makes sense, and Pulisic more than showed it and showed it more so than another winger that we discussed potentially getting the 10. So 
I think it's well-deserved. I think Pulisic as a 10 is going to be awesome. It's definitely going to sell shirts in the U.S., that's for sure. But, yeah, we knew this was coming. I had to pinch myself. <laughs> Pulisic's wearing the number 10. For Chelsea. For Chelsea. That's fucking nuts. An American is wearing the number 10 for Chelsea. And, and this is the best part, Andres. Everybody fucking loves him. Yeah, there's zero complaints about this. Yeah, like – we don't see like Pulisic out Twitter pages. I thought we would be seeing them left and right. And we saw them in the beginning, to be fair. Of course. But ever since the hat trick at Burnley, it's only been love. And I, I, I love that. It's, it's insane to me that an American is still like playing at Chelsea and being like useful, let alone, you know, getting a number 10 shirt. Um, but JR Bork had a question for us regarding Pulisic and his uh, New Jersey change. Um, he asked, how high are your expectations for Pulisic this season now that he's going to wear the number 10? Um, Andres, if you don't mind, I'd like to take the lead on this one. Go for um, it. Because I feel passionately about the subject. I am urging whoever's listening to not put so much pressure on Christian Pulisic wearing a number 10 jersey. This is his first season doing so. And technically, this is what, this will be his first full season in the Premier League. You know, granted, he comes back sooner rather than later. So he is on pace to break out for his breakout season. But I am urging some sort of patience here. He is not going to be Hazard next year. That is like the main thing I want to communicate to everybody, Andres. Do you feel the same? I... I'm going the opposite route because I already have extremely high expectations whether he was going to wear the 22 or the 10. The way he finished the season and kind of marked himself into this team makes me just think, okay, he scored. I believe he had a grand total of 15 goal contributions. So now I just need more than that. I'm not saying he needs to have 50 goals or anything like that, but 20 to 25. I think 25 would be an, an incredible season. I think having 20 goal contributions total would be a, a significantly better season than last. So like that that would be that would be an uh a respectable improvement, I think. Yeah, no. And and again, my my point is is that the jersey number doesn't change the fact that I expect Polisic to continue his form yeah. from Project Restart. I think that goes without saying, yeah. Definitely. Um So our new signing, Kai Havertz, comes in. And... Oh, by the way, that means Ziyech will wear 22. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, but our new signing, Kai Havertz, comes in, Andres. And he tells the board, give me give, give me the number 29. So Kyle Tamori says, here it is. So we got a question from Nacho Fuentes regarding Tamori's future. You know, there is questions about him possibly going on loan to Everton. Nacho Fuentes asks, Tamori on loan to Everton, good or not? This is uh, – so apparently he already had given Kai the 29 regardless of this potential move. Mm -hmm. But I think that Tamori walks into the Everton starting 11, a very exciting Everton starting 11, a very – progressive and attacking potential Everton starting 11. So there is nothing but good that could come from this. He is going to be alongside a quote unquote veteran in Michael Keane. He's going to have an attacking left back 
next to him and Dean. Uh, he'll most likely be running the exact same formation that we do at Chelsea. So if Zuma could do well at Everton under a lesser manager, I think that Tomori can force his way into an Ancelotti side. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't necessarily think he walks into their starting 11, um, but I think it's a good loan move for him. I think he'll get more playing time there. I'm glad that Chelsea is being patient with the center back situation. And I, I, I keep preaching it time and time again. You know, Christensen is one of those players. I feel like we're going to have a De Bruyne situation where he just becomes a world beater, especially if he goes somewhere like Spain or Germany. You know, Kurt Zuma was too good for us last season to sell. He was our best center back. And Rudiger just looks impossible to sell. And I think we owe him another season um, just out of good faith. So, yeah, I, it, I, 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 the more thinking about it, the more a loan makes sense. Um, to Everton is a good loan, but for me it's not a great loan because I just I, I don't think he will be playing week in and week out. Um, you know, he has to compete with the likes of Yerry Mina, uh, Mason Holgate, who's who's highly rated. Ancelotti used him a lot last season, um, and Michael Keane. I mean, their their depth chart's pretty decent at the moment, so I'm not too y- sure. Yerry Mina is a header merchant because he's like six nine. Like, well, well, now they got Hamas on set pieces, so so now Yerry Mina becomes an asset. All of a sudden, he's not an so, asset in a four-four-two, but he's an asset when you got a guy like Hamas sitting on set pieces, on corner kicks, you know, crosses, guess, things like that. I, I think that Tomori can still beat out Holgate to that spot. There's a reason I why so Tomori Tomori so gets too. called up for England ahead of Holgate, and there's a reason behind that. Yeah. Um, Holgate plays on the right side. Tomori can play on both sides of a back four. So I, I'm a little bit more optimistic on what he can do for himself in that position. Yeah. Another uh, potential loan move. It looks like Michi might be off the palace. Um, finally, you know, we got four strikers. <laughs> I, I, I can't mean, remember the last time we could say that. Yeah, and Michi was really good at palace in a short loan. This will be the first time we see Michi get a Premier League loan from the very beginning. Yeah, and and, and Roy Hodgson clearly not um, favoring Christian Benteke. Yeah, he did play him at the end of last season, but it's definitely not what he's looking for in a striker. Um, But, but what does this mean for Connor Gallagher? I mean, he was supposed to go to palace, never really materialized. I guess now we know why, because they really wanted Michi. Could he potentially go to Leeds? I mean, I know they've been on a spending spree, so it might make sense to bring in a guy on loan who won't cost as much. Bielsa, Bielsa get another flexible midfielder. I mean, I think so. I think that would be a good move. I mean, we, we see Chelsea sees Gallagher as an attacking midfielder. So maybe under Bielsa, he'll get to play closer to his natural position or at least closer to what his natural ability allows him to. Uh, not so much counterattacking, a little bit more possession and attacking base. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that that would be a decent move. A guy that I really liked um, and who's now um, forgotten, like three or four years removed from forgotten, is Kennedy. Um, <laughs> he's off the Granada on loan. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, moving on to Edward Mendy, though, I mean, it's looking more and more likely that he might be Chelsea's latest goalkeeper signing. Personal terms already agreed. According to our boy Fabrizio, a uh, good friend of the pod, by the way. Um, <laughs> he thinks it's close to a done deal. Um, 
no complaints on this one, Andres. I think it's uh, I think it's a much needed signing, and I think you know, given the circumstances, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think that for one, the guy has some of like his strengths are some of Keppa's weaknesses. So if we do have to pull the plug on Keppa, at least we know we can make up for those issues mm-hmm. uh, with Mundy. He's got the height. He's strong aerially. Uh, he doesn't catch the ball as often as you would maybe want your keeper to, but at least he punches it out of the way. At least so, he goes to the ball. <laughs> and that's the other thing. He is trying to earn the starting role while Kepa thought it was just his because there's no way a 38-year-old would take his job. So yeah. I think it's a win-win. Worst case scenario, he's a good goalkeeper to have a la Azmir Begovic back in the day. So according to our good friend of the pod, Fabrizio Romano, again, um, Chelsea are still in talks for Declan Rice. It very much is a possibility that Chelsea are still exploring. We talk about it every week, Andres. There's really no other movement besides that. Um, yeah. I think we have to I, sell players. I mean, at this point, we can't yeah. just keep spending for free. Like the, the Hazard Murata mm-hmm. money, I think we're officially Past done that. with that money. Yeah. yeah. Like I think it finally hit to the point where there that money ran out. So mm-hmm. – I mean, we're starting to see players leave. Players are going out on loan. There may be loan fees involved. Uh, Bakayoko's move is still not done. West Ham's or, in sh- absolute shambles as well. I think that needs to be noted. Yeah, I, and and maybe they're gonna have to result. Like, maybe I know they don't want to sell Rice, but because again in this economy they might not be able to sell all those bajillion attackers that they don't use because people don't want to spend the money on those kind of guys. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, we still have players to sell. Emerson hasn't left yet. Um, I mean, Tomori is going to be going out on loan. Makayoko, Drinkwater, Sapacosta. Uh, there's there's players here that don't have a future here. I mean, even even other guys like Lewis Baker. I mean, maybe yeah. we'll finally Fan get Pinkle. him sold somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the ability to sell is here. We just need to get those deals across the board so that we can maybe start thinking of another, which is so crazy, but another big purchase in Declan Rice. So I, I it's not included in the script, but Nathan Ake, I mean Nathan Ake, Ethan Ampadu. Um, gets, we spoke about him last week. Gets a lone move. No, he did not. Ampadu going to Sheffield? Are you sure? I think because it was the night of the podcast that we talked about it. I still I, – I, I think we did. But, Andres, I still don't feel too good about that one. It hasn't settled in yet. I mean – That was the one guy that I thought was out on loan last season where I thought he could come in and actually contribute. Right. But, but it, it's come out recently that both in the Wales camp and in the Chelsea camp, they're seeing him – Full-time as a center back. Yeah, that's interesting. If Tomori is now a guy that can't stay as a center back and we're loaning him out, why we we don't have the room. Yeah, Yeah. if his future is at center back, then he needs to go out there and play as center back, not back up Conte as a DM if we're never going to use him as a DM. So it's crazy to think about because I did want Ampadu to stay too. And in my head I thought, Oh, he's for sure going to be a DM now. It's no, it's the complete opposite. The guy is, yeah. the, it's been decided that he wants to be a center back and it, yeah, it's, he's going to Sheffield where 
surprisingly enough, Chris Wilder knows how to get the best out of his center backs, maybe in a back three, maybe he switches things up a bit, who knows, but hopefully he just can get some minutes in there. A lot more than Leipzig, hopefully. Let's hope so. Um, I do want to move on. We got Ron Stotts, a.k.a. Bone Daddy, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, um, and so on and so forth. Zar Ron, as I call him. Um, but Ron had a couple interesting thoughts here. Uh, first one, while we're not happy loaning out Amps and Tomori, they get playing time, it'll help us in the end. Um, I, I can't agree more. Andres, I think we kind of covered that. Um, it, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to keep one and not the other. So, especially with our depth now at center back. Number two, and just when we thought our third kit was bad, Man U went with the hold my beer idea and went completely zebra with it. That Th- kit is so bad. I don't know what's worse. Those are our Palace knockoff kits. <laughs> that is bad. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Um, it's a great way to make your players feel like they're animals and not humans. Um, but anyways. Uh, number three. Still think the FA made a bad decision about ending the five substitute rule. Should have been in play until we get COVID handled, in my opinion. I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, it would be nice for teams like Chelsea. Um, so here's what I actually learned today. Um, thanks to my father who reads everything and anything that has Bayern written on it. Uh, Rumenega, as a you know business side guy that handles salaries and all this, was talking about the five substitute versus the three substitute rule. And he mentioned that the five substitute rule is actually not, what's the word I'm looking for? Sustainable for teams with, for for teams period, because in every contract you have a appearance clause that is a bonus. And when, and no manager out there is going to go to a 90 minute game and not play five subs. Yeah. So therefore you have guys who, maybe would get 10 appearances versus guys that maybe get three appearances now doubling, tripling that number. And now you're paying appearance bonuses to every single member of your 22 man squad. Yeah. Um, it, it is a lot financially. And again, Ron's worry is that COVID infections and players getting sick, but if you can't afford a team, you're not going to have a team to play. Yeah. So that's the counter side of it. Yes, it affects the big teams more in terms of just putting a player in that you know has far higher skill than a bottom-of-the-table team who may not have five good players on their bench. But yeah, uh, financially speaking, it is not something a team can do long-term, even if you know the five-sub rule would be helpful towards handling potential COVID situations. Yeah. Bron uh, has two more points. And and I agree with these wholeheartedly. Marina's a freaking boss. Thank you, Ron. She is. <laughs> um, and uh, lastly, shout out to all the Rep Ultras that joined the Fantasy League. That's not only from Ron. That's also from me and Andres. We created a Fantasy League with all our Rep Ultras and everybody in our Discord chat. Shout and, out to um, Dylan. Shout, sh- yeah, big shout out to Dylan for setting it up. But um, guys, you know, if you want to become a Rep Ultra and join our Discord, all you got to do is tweet at us. 
Um, we're very interactive. We're not scary. And, and we will have the, the budget league will open up to any listener. Um, yeah. For future reference, if you do become an ultra, you get to be part of the draft one. So this is our first year trying this. It should be a lot of fun. Hopefully I remember to keep up with my team for a full year. <laughs> but something about becoming the king rep ultra fantasy winner would be nice. No, it's not going to happen because my team's too good. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about the Brighton game. Um, big news going into it. We thought Pulisic wasn't going to be fit. Um but somehow him and Aspie pop their hammies and are somehow fit to play against Brighton, which is insane Let's to think go. about. Um, I, there was a clip of him. Uh, I think they put it on their Instagram of him training. And he looked good. He's hitting, like, scissor kicks. Like, he looks very comfortable. He looks athletic. So it, it looks like he got his uh, his explosiveness back. Um, of course, Hakeem Ziyech did hurt himself in that preseason friendly. Um, so there's no return date on that. Kind of concerning. We really haven't heard anything about the injury. Um, so not too sure what the extent of it is. Chilwell is also not available for the match either. He's still nursing his injury as well. Um, mm-hmm. Tiago Silva most likely will not feature. Um, I'm assuming because the club probably gave him an extended break because of the Champions League. Um, but the interesting Correct. one here, Andres, Kai Havertz. He, he can make his debut on Monday. That's Also correct. wild it is wild. Um, i don't think he'll start no i don't think he'll start either and that's so the thing i now have my theory of how we'll line up Before monday it. um without Zieg playing that means cho will get a start on the right Werner is obviously the starter up top alonzo on the left of the back four potentially sadly rudiger zuma with i'm gonna say aspie still on the right but I'm thinking we're going to roll with a 4-2-3-1. Um, the one toss-up, because in the one friendly we had, it was Loftus-Cheek that played in the 10, would mean maybe for some odd reason Lampard benches Mount, but I think he won't. And we'll see a 4-2-3-1 with the three being Pulisic, Mount, uh, Cho, with Werner up top, and we'll see a Kovacic-Kante double pivot. I'm interested to see um, if it comes down to it and if we need a goal, what Frank decides to do. Does he bring on Kai Havertz or does he bring on another striker? Why not um, or, both? Or does he do both? And then another thing is which striker does he bring on? Does he bring on a guy like Giroud who ended the season really well and is very outspoken in the press about being adamant on fighting for his spot? Or does he and go for he a guy scored like, this week for France. He did. It was a penalty, though, but it's okay. It's cool. Um, but you also got a guy like Tammy Abraham who's coming off of a really good debut season as, like, the guy, at least for most of the season. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting, but what are you what are you feeling in terms of predictions? How do you feel about this game going in? I mean, we, we, we don't really know too much about Brighton going into this season. I mean, we talked about some of their additions in Adam Lallana. You know, they, they yeah. do have Tarek Lamptey on the right. So and they, they signed a guy, Veltman, from Ajax? Oh, Veltman from Ajax, yep. So, so they did inject a little bit of pace in the wide areas. Um, they didn't really strengthen too much up top, though. What are you thinking? Uh, God, I think we, we should win, but I don't think... I think I'm just going to kind of copy you here. I think it'll be a 3-1 Chelsea victory. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think – I don't know if we fix our, our leaky defense by week one without a Thiago Silva, Chilwell, um, without those two guys in the back line. Just yeah. Rudiger Rude, – the idea of Rudiger and Kepa still being part of the starting 11 frightens me. So I just hope that it goes up 3 nothing, and then we just give up a goal late not like 1-1, one, one, and then we have to still fight. Damn, but. we're all about agreeing, man, this week. What, what <laughs> is this? When Psalm's not here, we finally agree on shit? Doesn't make any sense. Who knows? Maybe he's been instigating this whole time. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm going 3-1-2, but I feel a little different, Andres. I feel I, I think we're going to go up 3-0 and then like concede you know, a silly one late that's going to frustrate the hell out of Lamps. But um, I feel the team over in our double in his debut game. I do. God, I hope so. I do. And it would be nice to see, like, a couple, like, you know, maybe a Havertz nutmeg. Something. A, a <laughs> little something from Havertz. I'm not expecting him to come on and, like, you know, score a goal or, or, or create an assist. It, but, like, let's let's say just, we're in, in need for a goal. And we we started that 4-2-3-1, like I told you, with Mount mm-hmm. up in the middle. Havertz, Havertz at the 10. So you take out Mount. You don't take out Cho? I take out... Kovacic, I drop Mount back. I put Havertz at the 10. And then if I still need a goal after that, I hook Mount, leave Conte at the base, and throw on another striker up top and go like 4-1-3-2 and just go for it. That's what I do. Hopefully it doesn't get to that. But if if you're taking out Kovacic from Havertz and you're just switching to a 4-3-3 with attacking aids. Pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it could be a 4-3, yeah. Exactly. Got it. Um, it it's gonna be fun, man. I'm excited. This uh, is it's like the this is really like the beginning of like a season where I'm never gonna be able to choose our starting eleven or formation. Like simple as that. I really don't have a clue. For the last two seasons, I felt that way. Last season, I felt that way too. Going into it, like who Lampard's gonna gonna be playing out of the youth? How fast are they gonna get into the squad? And then straight away, he just puts like three of them in or four of them in. <laughs> and, you know, but but he, he might do the same thing with these signings. I mean, we know Werner is going to start. There's a I, there's a chance we could see you know a start from Havertz. I I won't put it beyond him, but I don't know. I don't I don't think it's likely to happen, but I think it's a possibility. Who knows? Um, but that is the end of this week's episode, Andres. Me and you did a hell of a job on these two shows, I might say. Um, but we agreed way too much, which is concerning. So we have to talk about that after the show, but until next week, for those of you that are still listening, keep the blue flag flying high.